0: The Exton Moss Experiment, Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 32, Podcast Crossovers, Volume 2. Hello everyone and welcome to the second volume of segments where we've guested on other podcasts. This first segment is from Round the Archives, episode 41, from October 2019. In this edition, Simon and myself are discussing the very first episode of Trapdoor from 1984, which is called Breakfast Time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Exton Moss Experiment segment for Round the Archives. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And today we are looking at the children's classic from the 1980s, The Trapdoor.
1: Come here, you ingredient.
0: Burk! <laughs> this is a stop-motion animation uh, kiddies series. It was broadcast on ITV for two seasons, 40 episodes from 1986 to 1989. It was actually made in 1984, but it wasn't broadcast for a couple of years later. Yeah. Largely centres on Little Blue Servant, who lives in a basement of a castle, who is the overworked slave of the thing that lives upstairs, the character that's never seen Despite protestations from the rest of the supporting characters, there's a trap door that should never be opened, and in each of the episodes, Bert leaves it open and something crawls out. That's about the extent of the premise of the show. The, yeah, there's a floating
1: skeleton called Boney as well.
0: Boney and Drott, who is a spider. No, and obviously a spider. But the voices were largely provided by Willie Rushton, who was a satirist uh, at the time and worked for Private Eye. Also, which I didn't realise, Nick Shipley, who provided a few of the other voices, and he also worked on Private Eye.
1: Okay, and Willie Rushton was one of the um, regulars. on um, That was the week that was.
0: And um, is it was it on I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue as well?
1: Oh, could have been. Most people were at, at some point in that sort of era. I wasn't as taken with with that as I was by I'm um, Sorry I'll Read That Again. <coughs>
0: I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, yeah. That was, uh, for 22 years, it was on that. So, before we launch him, because we're gonna start with the first episode, they're only four minutes long, so we'll have a look at that and see how it's aged. I imagine it's aged terribly well, because we both have a fond memory of this. Before we go headlong into that, we should dive into the gin bottle. So I'll get the tonic screwdriver out
1: and open up another bottle. <coughs> And today we're drinking Whitley Neal Harrington Dry Gin. Which is a very nice gin. It is.
0: There's nothing exceptional and um, different about the taste. It's today a very nice plain gin, although. I wouldn't say it's that dry, actually. No, neither would I. others
1: we've had recently. I mean, it's a very nicely balanced gin, but there's some de- definitely some sweet flavour in, mm. in there. It, it, it's made a, a lovely tonic. I, I think it would be swamped if you were to do anything else with it. So if you were to put it into a, a martini, I think it would completely lose all its character. It's...
0: Well, this is why I'm really reluctant to mix gins with botanicals, unless they are, they need a bit of a pep. Because you just completely lose the flavor of the gin that doesn't need anything that's no. just a very nice gin on its own but
1: there are some that have very strong flavors that work really well in a um in a martini yes there so are. You, yeah. you sort of slightly more oily plymouth type gins work really well as martinis
0: yes and i'm, I'm going to give a second twist of the knife to mason's yorkshire tea gin you're not gonna let this go. I'm wrong. not gonna let it go. I it's the first gin that I've given one out of five on our Bernard scale.
1: It's been my gin. low scoring as well. It wasn't nice.
0: It was unpleasant. And I really didn't want it to be a tea flavoured gin. Sounds fantastic. It was awful. Which we've managed to rescue this afternoon in a teapot. Cramming it full of other flavours to, Basically, <laughs> to yes. drown it out. I'm not wasting gin. See I, I That could, is to your credit. That's four out of five Bernards for me. And me too. And that one is Warner's. This is Warner Edwards.
1: Harrington dry gin
0: Splendid While we savour this and before we open the trapdoor, we need to open the Black Archive We up. do really Black Archive is a regular section that we do and we rescue long lost programmes from the Black Archive to put back out into the public domain in our minds So my choice for this Edition is going to be Doctor Who, the single episode story Mission to the Unknown. Now, the reason for that is that it's the only episode of Doctor Who where none of the regulars appear. It was a one episode sort of prequel story to the Daleks' Master Plan. Bit of an oddity, but it, it serves as a sort of an introduction to the 12 episode epic. But recently, my old university, University of Central Lancashire, have remounted this with cameras from the time, and they've reconstructed props from the time, and the sets. All to scale, all in detail, even down to the costumes of the alien delegates that are present in that episode. And we've yet to see it, because it's only just been done. But Peter Purvis was involved, Edward D'Souza was involved, and all the comments so far are that it's wonderful. Now it's still never going to make up for the original the real thing but I wouldn't mind seeing it I wouldn't mind pulling that out of the Black Archive to see what it actually looked like because we've got the audio. Yeah. What's your choice?
1: My choice for the uh, to come out of the archive this time around is a 1960s kids uh, sci-fi TV series called Emerald Soup. Uh, None of this exists it was an ITV programme that concerned weird goings-on at a scientific research, research establishment and for some obscure reason, a, a group of local kids get involved with what, what's going on. Very well received at the time, it had, some, it had some good reviews. People I've heard kids in the 60s talked about it very, very fondly and I don't think, apart from a, a very few production stills, anything of it exists. So that would be very nice to see. Another
0: little gap filled. It is. So, without further ado, it's time to close the Black Archive and open Open the the trap trap door. Somewhere in the dark and nasty
1: regions, where nobody goes, stands an ancient castle. Deep within this dank and uninviting place lives Burke. Hello! Overworked servant of the thing upstairs. Feed me. But that's nothing compared to the horrors that lurk beneath the trapdoor. For there is always something down there in the dark, waiting to come out.
0: That was the very first episode of Trapdoor Breakfast Time from 1980, well, made in 84, transmitted in 86. It was a lovely four-minute piece of fluff.
1: Yes, thoroughly enjoyable, very catchy theme tune.
0: Although we did have to look for it. If, you get, if anybody's got the DVD or thinking about it...
1: Yeah, they hide the theme tune. It's there once you've looked for it.
0: But anyone who grew up with it, that theme tune will trigger tea time memories. after Coming on from school.
1: Yeah, you see, I remember it at the time. I, I wasn't at school. I left school in 86. Was, I was working at uh, the time that this was coming out. And I remember one of the girls I worked with, Belinda, who was obsessed with the trapdoor and made us all watch it. <laughs> I was the only one who, who didn't regard it as utter children's fluff. But they're they're all claymation, I suppose. Yeah. because uh, it Or plasticine-mation. But there's this and a
0: lot of the Cosgrove Hall stuff. It's all in the same vein of humour, slightly off the wall. But all of it, it, obviously this is plasticine rather than animated, but the humour's broadly the same.
1: Yeah. It was just really nostalgic to see Burke and the thing upstairs <laughs> and Boney. And, Boney was always my favourite because he's just, sits in the background and makes sarcastic comments.
0: <laughs> I wonder why he's your favourite character.
1: <laughs> I've always aspired for that to be my role in life.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot to say about Trapdoor. If you didn't grow up with it, you'll probably look at it and think, what the hell is this? If you did grow up with it, you'll watch one and think, ah, oh, there'll be a little one glow inside. Yeah,
1: this and Count Ducula.
0: Yes, and to a lesser extent, Alias the Jester uh, and um,
1: I did, to Danger To a lesser extent,
0: what? Alias the Jester. That was a Cosgrove old thing.
1: Oh, um, never heard of it. And Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse and Penfold. Who blinked his
0: eyeballs. What? If you watch, Penfold didn't blink. His actual eyeballs blinked. Have a look at it. Okay. Um, he wore glasses. He mm. didn't see his eyes. He just saw his, his actual pupils. And the pupils blinked. His eyes didn't. How bizarre. So. Mm. Anyway, that's enough Fluff.
1: Yeah, this is just a a very very quick segment um, to say we've watched it, we've loved it. I'm disappointed that my favourite line wasn't in there, which was "Come here, you ingredient." Because <laughs> um, in, in this one, actually, in this one, actually, two things come out of the trapdoor, don't they?
0: There's the big yellow thing. The
1: big yellow thing that eats the thing upstairs is breakfast and then falls asleep in front of the oven. And there's the
0: big red thing.
1: And then while Burke is trying to deal with that, a big ugly <coughs> red thing comes out of the uh, the trapdoor and chases him around a bit. He hides behind a mirror, sees itself in the mirror, gets scared, and runs back down into the trapdoor, closes the trapdoor, end of episode. So not challenging plot-wise.
0: There may be an overarching umbrella theme as the serious progresses with complex characters and enough backstory to have a spin-off sequel mm-hmm. but i doubt it
1: no it's weird bits of plasticine that make us happy
0: and in life if you've got gin and weird plasticine
1: you're doing pretty well
0: on that note boys and girls we shall yeah. hand you back over to the capable hands of andy and lisa thank you for once again for letting us break into your time we shall see you again soon
1: okay bye now
0: The next segment was again from Round the Archives, this time episode 42 from November 2019, in which Simon and myself look at the American comedy series Better Off Ted, the episode Bio Shuffle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Exton Moss Experiment segment for Round the Archives. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And we are invading Round the Archives yet again. Today, we've got something that Simon's dug out of his magic bag of tricks
1: called Better Off Ted. Viridian Dynamics. Every day something we make makes your life better. Power we make that. Technology we make that. Cows well no we don't make cows although we have made a sheep and medicines and airplane engines and whatever this is and all sorts of things Viridian Dynamics. Every day, something we make makes your life better. Usually. Viridian Dynamics. Life better.
0: What's the premise for this one?
1: Um, Better Off Ted is an American sitcom. It ran for two seasons between 2009 and 2010, and it focuses on the research department, so offices and laboratory of a large American company, Viridian Dynamics. The title refers to Ted, who is the head, head of research. The, the main characters are Ted, his assistant, Linda, um, his boss, Veronica, and the two scientists who work under him, Phil and Lem. It's an entertaining little uh, little series. Each each week there is some sort of weird doomsday weapon that um, the team at Viridian have created, and it's Ted's job to either manage the disaster that that causes, or try and rein in Veronica's "how do I sell this with no morals whatsoever" <laughs> attitude. It's a really entertaining and quite odd little series the episode that we've just watched was series 1 episode 9 and it starts off with corrosive and flammable acid leaking through into the uh, the cubicle space of Ted's department so everybody has to give up their cubicles and move somewhere else linda moves into ted's office um, and is just chatty 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 and he can't deal with that so he goes and hides in veronica's office but Veronica finds him annoying and starts off by snipping off little bits of his hair that annoy her and ultimately ends up karate kicking blocks of wood in front of him. And when she gets really annoyed, uh, she draws out a handgun and shoots the sofa in her room, all in this completely deadpan, almost, (laughs) almost, almost robotic expression. She she's a wonderful character. It doesn't come across quite so much in this episode, but there's there's loads of episodes where she is just utterly amoral about things.
0: I have never even heard of this before. So it's a bit of a treat for me. It's in a former life I did used to work in various offices. There was a, a two-year period after I finished university where I, I temped around various offices. This is obviously a much more modern is you know, it's twenty years down the line from that, but those are what offices are, generally speaking, like. You've got, it's not one big collective, it's little pockets.
1: Yeah, and you've got your office rivalries, your office romances, your... um.
0: Which everyone, these, the people that are involved in these think that nobody else is aware of, and everybody is perfectly aware of the office rivalries and the romances, yeah. no matter what uh, people do to try and keep them secret.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the other... Um plot string in this episode was the new machine that Phil and Lem have invented uh, that projects a very very precise beam of sound so that somebody quite a distance away has a voice whispering in their ear but nobody else can can hear it so they they use this to um, to pretend to be God to other <clears> people in the in the department and then because of the whole reshuffle from the, the biocomputer that's leaking acid through the through the ceiling, all different members of staff have to be tend to work somewhere else, and there is a female scientist who is sent to Phil and Lem's lab, which Lem fancies are like mad. Takes her out for a, for a date. There is a hilarious Sneezing slapstick incident. moment where, at the end of the date, he <laughs> leans in for a kiss. He's allergic to her perfume, so he sneezes. Her head knocks backwards and then bounces forward, headbutts him, and knocks him unconscious. And it's just beautifully done and beautifully timed. Then there's one of the office workers who is assigned to the um, the lab office as, as well. And he starts showing interest in this um, this lady scientist. And Lem gets jealous, so uses the, um, the whispering machine on him. And the whispering machine at um, high power levels can make people spontaneously vomit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides that he's going to do this to this fella. Um, but the girl walks in front just in in time so she's the one that ends up um, vomiting her guts up the office worker who's been uh, reassigned there takes her home and looks after her and they develop a a, a romance that way so Lem kind of buggers things up for himself
0: it was an interesting piece and I uh, I could quite easily watch more they're only just over 20 minutes long yeah typical American half hour stuff and it's full of that nice witty acerbic dialogue quite rapid fire that you're getting things, uh, Scrubs is an example where it's all slightly surreal, and that's exactly my sort of.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the nice thing about Better Off Ted is that all the science fictiony bits to it. And there are science fictiony bits mm, in right, every episode, yeah. but they're very much incidental. Mm. Okay, they 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 drive the plot, but an awful lot of the plot is character driven. And when Veronica really gets her teeth into something, then then she is a She's a a wonderfully amoral character, in much the same way as her character in Ally McBeal was. Mm. I've never seen a few of Ally McBeal. I I used to catch bits and bobs. When Ally McBeal was on, I had a housemate who was quite keen on it, so I I used to catch that every so often.
0: Yeah, I could watch more of that. Very much my sort of thing.
1: So we have a couple of things that we do as regular features on our podcast.
0: The first thing is we need to get the tonic screwdriver out and get the lid off the gin. What have so we got this time?
1: Our gin review for this time is Tarquin Strawberry and Lime Gin. And this is a little mm. tasted gin that I get every month for, from my lovely sister. And this is a Cornish a small batch gin um, made uh, distilled with lime zest and then infused with strawberries. And it says it creates the perfect summer partnership. I have to be honest... I don't think they're far wrong. I think that's lovely.
0: I didn't expect to like... When you said strawberry and lime, I didn't expect to like this. Now, I know you've had yours neat. I've got a little bit of tonic and ice with mine. Because you're a wuss. Because I'm a wuss, apparently. But I'm going to get that four out of five, a good four out of five. Yeah, that's a really nice one.
1: I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting a four out of five. I think for a, for a summer afternoon, I would have that over ice and just sip away at it, and it would be lovely. Yeah. Maybe yeah. perhaps on a beach in Cornwall.
0: Yeah, that's really very nice. I don't do strawberry and lime, but it's so subtle and so... I think the lime's subtle, yeah. even if the
1: strawberry comes across very it, strongly.
0: It's not as much as I would think, I would have thought. Unless the well, wine and garlic and camembert and rosemary is uh, denting my taste buds this afternoon. Or
1: possibly I'm just getting a stronger hit of it because I'm not wussing out and diluting it. Oh, behave,
0: behave. Bring what's left of your glass and let's go down into the bowels of podcasting house to open up the black
1: archive the black archive is our section where instead of talking about television that we're able to watch we talk about television that we wish we were able to watch so things that are sadly missing from the the official archives and what would you like to bring to the black archive this time around
0: this time i am actually going to choose a bit of film there was a film in the late 90s called the Event Horizon, and it's quite an odd film. It basically involves a mission. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's, it's Sam Neill, it isn't it? It is Sam Neill. Neill. Uh, it's basically a mission that goes wrong. The spaceship goes way, way beyond its mission parameters, flies out of the solar system.
1: Doesn't it go into a wormhole? and then comes back out to the wormhole. It's
0: been that long since I've seen it, I can't remember. But, I mean, it's quite a, gru- a gruesome film in many aspects. Yeah. I, I don't really do gruesome. You see this on a daily basis. But, anyway, all sorts of weird and wonderful things have happened to this crew in the interim of this ship going out of the solar system to wherever it's been and then coming back. There was a lot of that film trimmed out, and unfortunately in the intervening years it's gone missing and it's one of the latest film examples that I'm aware of where film trims have just completely gone missing we're talking a lot of film here it's about 45 minutes I think so just the premise of what's gone missing and the the details are available it all sounds absolutely weirdly sort of morbidly fascinating and I wouldn't mind seeing a full a full director's cut of that
1: film hmm. I mean I've, I've always rather liked Event Horizon as a, as a film, I haven't seen it for a few years but I've seen it a good few times and yeah that would be interesting to see my choice for the Black Archive is something that's high up on the the BFI's missing list for British television and that's the British coverage of the moon landings in 1969 because although oh, other countries' footage has been kept, our footage wasn't. So we've got got pictures of the um, the landing on the moon. We don't have the pictures of the studio reactions in London. What a pity! And that that's one of those things that's really high up on the on the BFI's. We would like this to be returned. Wish list. Splendid.
0: So those are our two regular features.
1: Well, we though. have a third regular feature. We which do. we only generally do for Doctor Who episodes. However, because we're not going to be doing any Doctor Who episodes for the for the Round the Archives team, I think it's only fair to give you a, a little taste of our final special guest. I am Persian. Name your price. Thank you, Siri. That was Ms. Siri Van Epp. Uh, From the superlative corridor, people.
0: Other adjectives are available.
1: Yes, wonderful is another one.
0: Uh, yes, this is where we, uh, generally speaking, Doctor Who...
1: We look, at, a, we look, look about at the drag
0: queen index. Yes, how flouncy... Are the characters and moreover the costumes?
1: Um, Flouncy is more a costume thing. What we want from the characters is a good resting bitch face, and Veronica <laughs> just does the most wonderful resting bitch face.
0: I think pulling a gun out of the drawer, fitting a silencer, and then blowing a sofa to smithereens
1: mm, that's with per- with and- not
0: even a hair out of place or a raised eyebrow.
1: It's more the the scene where all the, the workers are in the uh, corridor com- complaining to her that um, oh, they, they, they don't have anywhere to work. And she turns around and says, I hate to see how much this is affecting you. And they carry on talking. And she said, no, I hate to see how much this is affecting <laughs> you. And glares at them until they walk off. Now that's a resting bitch face. It is well. a very
0: well-delivered line, I thought.
1: Um, very little in the way of drag queen-esque costumes, because it's all... work work appropriate business Mm. attire but for me that costumes aside that pure skill at resting bitch face gets it three out of five
0: I was going to say we're going to give her a three yeah for her face rather than the uh the costume
1: and we rate this in obvious yes in the same way as we rate our gins in bernards So, so three
0: out of five obvious
1: and four out of five bernards
0: And that, boys and girls, gives you a little taste of what the Extermos experiment is like. If you'd like to hear more from us, we are available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We have a Facebook page, a Twitter account.
1: And an Instagram, although I don't update it terribly often.
0: Do look us up. There are plenty of episodes now available online. And we aim to produce one around once a fortnight.
1: And if you like the sound of Siravanep, we will be covering the entirety of the Corridor people.
0: What a treat you're in for. I can't even deadpan this anymore. Thank you for listening, boys and girls. We shall hand you back to the eminently capable hands of Andy and Lisa. Thank you for having us, guys. See you soon. Bye now. The final segment is from the 12th episode of Season 2 of Killer Rabbit, which is titled Ridden on a Horse. In this, Simon's lucky enough to get a phone in with the boys, and this is the full unedited excerpt.
2: So, as a bit of a special treat, as we mentioned last week on the show, we are joined by one of our favourite listeners, who we are going to refer to affectionately as The Doc. Hello there, Doc.
1: Hello, Rabbits.
2: Hey! Hey. (laughs) Great to have you on the show. How Uh, are you doing? We're amazing, yeah. I like
3: being called The Rabbits. (laughs) We've never had anyone, like, come in and call us that, so...
2: (laughs) It almost sounds professional, No person has ever been in here apart from us. Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah. You're joining us to uh, enlighten us a bit on a subject that we talked about last week, but also to tell us some stories that you've uh, picked up over the years uh, during your career. Now, we want to start off by saying a, a massive thank you for everything that you do Doctors, nurses, everybody mm-hmm. within the NHS, you all do a fantastic job, and really. however much you paid, it's not enough. So that's the pleasantries over with. Now on with the silliness. Would you like hey. to tell my
1: boss that? Oh, <laughs> you certainly
2: will. Put him on. Put him <laughs> on. Put him <laughs> on. <laughs> Get the, Put the on.
1: conference call going. Where is he? <laughs> no, that's very sexist. She's a sheep. <gasps> oh,
2: no. oh, no.
1: Get woke. Edit, edit. Stop. edit. <laughs> I
0: apologise.
2: No. So, yeah, th- uh, that's uh, the pleasantry. So, on with the silliness. Um, you are a doctor. Uh, how many penises have you seen over the years?
1: <laughs> <laughs> lots. Lots and lots. <laughs> lots and lots. Me and too, and I'm not even. A pretty diseased. Come <laughs> oh, no. pretty diseased.
2: Not fully diseased. <laughs>
1: There's, there's, there's degrees of disease. There's all the way from, oh, that doesn't look too great, to, mm, that might be about to drop off.
2: No! <laughs> uh, now that you mention that, I've got these, uh, these bumps down. There. Anyway, uh, so last week we talked about a procedure called a pedicled groin flap, which uh, intrigued us all. However, as they questioned me further, it seemed that I had no idea what I was talking about. So can you explain a bit about what, what was going on there, if you heard the story?
1: I, I, I did hear the story. Now, I will start off by saying I... I do adult hospital medicine, so I'm not a surgeon. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I've only got a fairly basic understanding of what this is. Um, the... Similar to us, then. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, near basic. not similar to us. Right. So a pedicle is a um, a plastic surgery technique. It's a really, really old, old-fashioned technique. I think it dates back to the First or Second World War or something, but it, they've been mm-hmm. doing it for ages, and it's a way of growing new flesh. mm. Horrible. Um, <laughs> to, well, the, what, it, what it's mainly used for these days in my, the bit of research that I've, I've done about it um, is growing uh, tissue for implants. So if, if a woman has to have a mastectomy for breast cancer, then they can mm. grow new breast tissue um, to, to implant. Oh, I
2: see.
1: Now, um, your story was about somebody who lost half their hand, wasn't it? That's the yeah. one, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So they grew back now, a normally.
1: Full hand. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> do you actually think people kind of actually? Normally, normally <laughs> if you lose a whole hand or finger or something, they are trying to attach it back on immediately. Right. Um, with a a pedicle, what they can do, and they they, they grow pedicles all, all over the place. They, uh, I think the original ones were grown on the face for. Whatever reason, um, so you can you, so, you, so you can grow all, all this extra tissue in, in, in the groin, right? Um, <laughs> you,
2: yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You can. <laughs> I knew that was coming. His <laughs> lit up. And I, I, I think that's happening now, Doc. I think that's happening now, Benson. Yeah, There's so much tissue. A little more here.
1: detail than I need, but yeah. thanks for sharing.
2: Well, there we go. So we weren't too far so, wrong.
1: So I, I found that, um a research paper that was published back in 1977 about somebody who'd lost uh half his hand and three fingers i think and they'd they'd fashioned a new hand from um bone grafts and tissue that they'd made through a through a pedicle right so what what i would guess happened is they they um fashioned him a new hand now it i very much doubt it would be a a functioning hand because mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to get all, all the the muscle attachments and anything but it would it would go to go away towards looking the part
2: right, so it's a pure, purely a cosmetic hand
1: well <laughs> the, cosmetic <laughs> hand no because you you'd still you'd still attach the bit that he he had left. I I Honestly, can't remember what the story was. Did he mm. chainsaw it off or something? I think, We think
2: it was a saw. I, 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 some form of yeah. saw. Yeah, I had the uh, the image of a hand because he was going through a floorboard. But, a disc uh, saw. It could have been a disc saw, but uh, yeah, some something kind of saw. brutal. Yeah, something it could hand um, Saw three. <laughs> so
1: the, so the bits, that were, bits, bits that were left would probably still have some function. if you had any um, yeah. fingers left or anything?
2: But the bit that was reattached would be purely...
3: Just for, for looks. To look complete. Aesthetic, not cosmetic. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the one. Shut sure, up. Um, oh, my
3: word. I don't I don't know. Can you believe that? Just Unless out. they
1: put some sort of mechanical servos in or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that sounds pretty it. awesome.
3: <laughs> that's Cyber- a half
1: cybernetic hand. Oh, oh yeah. here
3: you go. Cybernetics. Masturbation.
1: <laughs> You'd rip it off.
3: <laughs> yeah, but you can grow it back because it grows tissue down there.
2: Adam, are not listening? <laughs> if you learn nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. You've sh- shed a little bit of light on something that we had no uh, reason to be talking about, because we have no idea what we're on about, which is usually the case
1: no, in the show. Any, any surgeons <laughs> listening are probably leaping up and down, telling me I've got, uh, screaming at their, um, their phones or whatever, telling me that I've got that wrong. Um, but that's my understanding as a, um, as a medical doctor.
2: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you've probably got some stories uh, throughout the years as well there, Doc. I think you've got a few in mind what- that you wanted to tell us about.
1: Well, there, there's one in particular that I think will appeal to you that dates back right to when I very, very first qualified. Okay. Um, Baptism and, of fire kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And my <laughs> my first job, because when you when you qualify, you're put in to do a whole load of different jobs. And then as years go by, you get more and more specialised in the thing that you're interested in. Right. So my very first job was colorectal surgery.
2: So with what, sorry? Sorry? Is <laughs> <Does> that <laughs> have to do colorectal with Colorectal surgery, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey.
2: he's, he's not as dumb as he and, sounds. <laughs> Benson, that is not, not you, doctor. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> said, Don't compare the doctor. To me.
1: And, and I, I, I was working a night, uh, a night shift and on night shifts that um, the most junior doctors do the do the admissions so and what that is that somebody who's come in through a and e a and e have decided that they need to come into the hospital for whatever reason and so you come through in onto in this case a surgical ward mm-hmm. and the junior doctor does the the full um workup and um does all the bloods and, and and does the full examination listens to the chest feels the abdomen okay. the all, right. all, all the doctory bits
3: the doctor, he does. The doctor, <laughs> is. he's using yeah. technical terms. He was the one who tells them to take the pants off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's happened to me a lot. And it and... turns out he wasn't a doctor. <laughs> and little old ladies will sometimes come in absolutely flat and un- unresponsive. And A and E make sure it's not any of the really worrying things. So make sure they haven't had a stroke or anything like that. Mm, right. And then then there are. Common things are common, um, and the two things that absolutely knock little old ladies off off their feet are water infections, right. um, and you easily test for that with a, a, a dip, and constipation. Mm. <laughs> and the way the way you test for constipation is the finger up the bum. <laughs>
2: oh, I knew that. Was um, and <laughs> as Benson, sell down, sell down Benson.
1: Um, I'm feeling This job is always <laughs> given to, to the most junior doctor because it's a, it's a, shit a pretty job. shit job. <laughs> Literally a um, shit job. This particular w- it night shift, right. um, I'd admitted about five or six people with constipation. And sometimes when you do the finger-up-the-bum test, you clear the blockage. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Oh, you clear the blockage. <laughs> um, no, oh. it, it, it's, called, it's called a digital rectal examination or a PR. But, Is that what you um, call
2: it in the doctor world, though? Is it like, oh, Ward 6, finger-up-the-bum?
1: <laughs> uh, no, we just call it a PR, but we right. all know that it's the finger-up-the-bum test. <laughs> it's a PR and, nightmare. <laughs> and I'm, I'm six foot five, and I've got fairly big hands, so we
2: <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> that, that's why quite. they picked you. I see now. You see, I could never do that. I'm tiny, <laughs> tiny hands. I'm not fingering any bum holes. Okay, just
1: putting it out there. So quite, quite often, I cleared the blockage,
0: oh. um,
1: and that would be very often, pretty immediate and all over the bed. And the nurses oh. hated me for it. Oh. And I've done this about four or five times this night. and The nurses are getting night. sick of it. Oh, oh yeah.
2: <laughs> Were you not sick of it? <laughs> you've got a horse whisperer. Well, They've got shit whispers <laughs>
1: <laughs> So I, I was called in to see that this at about four o'clock in the morning. She was brought in for her, from a nursing home, flat as anything, mm. um, and needed to check to see whether she was constipated or not. And the, the nurse that I was going in was getting sick of this, and she said, don't you... <laughs> Effing dare Make this one shit the bed Because I'm not cleaning up another one I'm about to get on my break um, have, have you ever
2: done that so, on purpose To a nurse that you didn't like Or something like that
1: It it would be a difficult thing to do on purpose If it happens, it happens And you don't really have any control over it One way or the other Well, I'd um, like to
3: correct you there, Doug <laughs> <laughs> In the right angle
1: and the right trajectory tre- 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 <laughs> Um so I, I went in, went in to see this um, this patient, and she was mm. uh, flat as anything on the bed. And you still do the still do the talk. You say that I'm um, just going to roll you onto one side towards nurse, and um, this they, they shouldn't hurt, but it, it should be a little. But it may be a little bit uncomfortable. And it's to uh, to see what try and see what the, the problem is because you don't know whether the person can actually hear you or not. So you you do the respectful thing and carry on talking. So right, I was calm. I was saying this, and the nurse was glaring at me, saying, "No, you did." So uh, I said, "Okay, uh, just a little bit of cold jelly, and then you're just going to pop my finger in." So I popped my finger up, and she sat bolt upright on the bed (laughs) and said at the top of her voice, "No, Edward, it's not Saturday night." (laughs) (laughs) Flopped back down on the bed, and the gates opened, and there was just this. Awful noise! Like, <laughs> okay. as she was clearing herself out. could
2: you try and replicate and, the noise for us? <laughs> uh, I,
1: let, let me have a it, go, It, end, was, doc, hold it, it <laughs> was fairly liquid. It was. Sort of oh. <laughs> it, it was really quite unpleasant. Oh no! Um oh, Ed, Edward, the nurse was just looking at me, absolutely horrified. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: And, and it sounds so like he
1: had some good Saturday nights. <laughs> and so I um I, I said, Oh okay, we seem to have found out what they uh, what what the problem is, I'll just leave you to nurse to nurse to clean you up. Um <laughs> I'll have to do it again yeah, so. you, you just dropped the mic and out of there. <laughs>
2: um
1: and I thought I only need to get to the the doctor's office and then I, I can break it. But I had um this wasn't a, a side room. This was a um, a bay with three other beds. So I had to look professional <laughs> for as long as it took me to, got to get to the um, the nurse the, the doctor's office. <laughs> so I so I opened the curtains that we had around the bed and saw this whole woman's family. <gasps> oh, and oh I'd God. forgotten that they were all in there with her, and they'd obviously heard this. Oh no! So so I just said, "Oh well, we we seem to have sorted out what the problem is. I'm sure she'll be as right as right." <laughs> Through the curtains, yeah. walked off. Cue Edward.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, he looked a bit sheepish.
3: <laughs> was he? I was going to say,
2: was he actually there? The best thing is, this
3: was Friday night. Everybody's yeah. hands together.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But bloody is Saturday. <laughs> and you carried on. That happened at the start of your career, and you carried on.
1: What um, a guy! Not in not in colorectal surgery. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished with that as soon as I possibly could. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um,
2: do you get to instruct other people to do that now just knowing the uh, the pitfalls that await them
1: um yeah because there's a, there's always every year there's an, a, another new lot of doctors coming from um fresh meat
2: <laughs> yeah and <laughs> it's the finger yet, of the god through
1: <laughs> yeah, because if you need there there are reasons why we would do that uh, in an emergency um and you need to know how to do it and you need to know where what to
2: do it <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get the wrong hole do you no
1: um I I did once
2: oh
3: dog uh, dog
1: at the end of it a, a very long and tiring A&E shift um
2: I can't even imagine, like, uh, when my job goes wrong, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't result in anything like that. Is that the kind of thing that you go home and tell your significant other about and you just say, you'll never guess what I did today? Uh,
1: well, uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, and in, in, in the same way as... You just tell when podcasts, I'm
2: don't you? <laughs>
1: when, I'm, when I'm discussing things here, obviously I've, I've changed names. There are certain details that I... I changed, like in, in the last story I told you, um, there were certain details that I changed so it's not identifiable. Yeah, oh, Of course. And, no, I, yeah, and, not I, Edward. <laughs> and I changed names to make sure it's not identifiable. It's not unethical for me to discuss patients that I've seen. It is unethical for me to discuss patients that I've seen in a way that um, they and their family would be able to, to identify themselves. Oh, yeah,
2: of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. It, it sounds um, like a pretty specific example. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, to- talking to... Um, to other doctors because we get together and tell war stories. And this isn't <laughs> no, the only time this has happened. Oh no, my god! How often
2: does this happen? And was it was it Edward again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, he's, ob- he's obviously been busy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Go on, Edward. <laughs>
2: he's got one for every day of the week. Saturday's just the one that you were dealing with. <laughs> <That's> it, exactly. <laughs> Go on, Edward. And is what would you say is is the is that is that the funniest thing that's happened to you or is there is there anything even like- oh, that's
3: hilarious getting like poo
2: everywhere? <laughs> um, We've all done that though, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was the one that when I was thinking through stuff that's happened, I, I thought this is the one that will probably get there the best left oh, yeah. yeah well we,
2: we peaked all over the place there you, you know it's a funny story when the, the levels go through the roof so thank you ever so much <laughs> now you know strange no, no problem you know stranger to podcasts uh are you doc you've got your own podcast do you want to I'm tell not,
1: that? i i i do have my own it's called the Moss experiment it's um me and my old old friend ken we've known each other for nearly 15 years now and mm. we get together and we talk about um old science fiction TV programmes and quite Mm -hmm. a bit of Doctor Who, um, but we take we take our name from the the first BBC science fiction program, the Quantum S Experiment.
2: Yeah, you do you do mention Doctor Who a, a lot. I've got I've listened to quite a few of them. Um, the Doctor Who ones go over my head a bit because I've I've never watched it. Can uh, know, Sam, oh, Sam, no, I know. Sam, Sam. Well, he's
3: Doctor Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that
1: was a character in Viz, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just going to give you the opportunity because t- I know you're a huge uh, Doctor Who fan. Just to just to tell me in as few words as possible why I'm missing out and I'm going to take your word for it
1: well if you're not watching it then you don't want to it, it's obviously not something that's for you so you're not actually missing out now what I would say is that there's there's probably other programs that you would like depending on the, the kind of sh- TV that you normally watch
2: I enjoy. I really enjoyed the, the kids program one that you did I really enjoyed that one
1: <laughs> oh yeah well, we talk about um, Wendy Miller getting pissed <laughs> 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 What's that? Um, is and it trumped in that,
2: <laughs>
3: <What's> that <laughs> <one>? windy, miller. <laughs> windy miller sure or something like that wouldn't you
2: we have to deal um, with this all the time
3: doc. Uh, everyone
1: of them all yeah, school and, like
3: 70s kids programs sorry doc yeah we
1: did a whole episode on them yeah I listened
3: i am going to listen though like right now fuck this podcast sorry i feel bad swearing at a
2: doctor i don't know why should you
3: swear with a doctor i don't know Uh,
2: just one thing to check is your handwriting terrible doc
1: it is it's absolutely dreadful um if i if i write or when i write drug charts i have to do them in capital letters otherwise people just cannot read what i write
2: well, that's is, so, that, is yeah. that part of the test? Have you got to uh, yeah, you got to say. show that your, your handwriting is terrible yeah, before you can sure, become a doctor?
1: Got to show that it's illegible. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I, th- I think what it is that a lot of the time um, we have to write so, so fast that legibility goes out the window. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: So if you're one of the the other do- jobs that a junior doctor will do is sort of fo- follow around on the, the ward round and write down what's said, and you have to and a lot of ward rounds happen very quickly because you've got a lot of patients to see and you're trying to record everything. Right. And wow. you're brand new out of medical school so you, so you don't know which bits are important, which bits aren't. Mm-hmm. So you, you're trying to record absolutely everything and legibility goes clean out the window. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a question. Get yeah. it, get everything down on paper. So
2: it gets worse as you progress through your career then. <laughs> so you can tell <laughs> the really good doctors by how bad their handwriting is.
1: Or just the really <laughs> the, the bad ones by... Putting particularly
3: bad handwriting down so you can't tell what decision they've made. How <laughs> can they cover um, their tracks? Doc, can I just uh, run something by you with you being a, a doctor of medical sciences and, and, and whatnot? Um, <laughs> so recently I, I, I discovered uh, a, a growth <laughs> in, in the go. groin area, and at first I was waiting for some <laughs> tissue to grow over it. Now it didn't happen in time, so I decided to, to, to try and remove said growth it was more like a wart um so i I, I heated up a needle and i stuck it straight in there and and now part of my leg's gone green (laughs) so i was i was wondering um i mean first of all if you lose a leg can you grow it back uh second of all is should i go to a hospital (laughs)
1: um okay two questions Uh, one no, you can't really grow it back um, unless you get a really massive pedicle.
2: We could arrange that. In which case, Spencer's got a pretty big pedicle. I, I
1: can vouch for them. Um, and to, yeah, that. And so, yeah, that—that's kind of what hospitals are there for. Right? So they've got they've got these magic antibiotic things. They're marvellous.
3: Yeah, well, I've had them plenty of times after a, a night out in Leeds. But,
1: <laughs> the the, the uh... oh, so I've got. That, that's the sort of thing I've got to look forward to when I yeah. move to Leeds is it Yeah,
3: oh, absolutely you'll yeah. need a lot of penicillin <laughs>
1: <laughs> never mind the
3: poo thing it's just jabbing them straight in the cock <laughs> not jabbing like a punch I mean like with an injection yeah you know, <laughs> no, of course I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all thought
2: you meant punch
3: there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I get what you mean when you went from the spectrum of oh that doesn't look right good to it might fall off. I'm more at the might fall off part right now. <laughs> There's a strange smell.
2: Yeah.
3: It's very off-putting for other people. <laughs> I can smell it now, though. <laughs> We're in close quarters here as well, so it's like... Yeah, anyway, I thought I'd just check with... I mean, obviously, that that won't go out to the... the, We don't want the audience knowing that I've got a strange growth on that. I was going to say,
2: Benson, do you remember when you uh, said that you were using this podcast as a way to pick up women? Well, some women might be into it. (laughs) Yeah, they're not the women you want to pick up. Maybe
3: that's where I picked it up from.
1: (laughs) Well... While we're on this subject, I can tell you the most gruesome thing that I've ever seen. Oh, please do. Oh, I don't
2: think I'm ready for this. <laughs> I a, a nervous disposition. Go. Oh, you can go, Doc. Uh, I'm ready.
1: Right. This is when I was a medical student. I was doing my placement in the um, sexual health clinic. So you see all the, oh. Um, the STDs. Right. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so somebody came in after having been referred from the surgeon's. And we we don't, we didn't often, you don't often get referrals into sexual health. Um, people <laughs> usually, people usually come along off, off their own back. back and don't really yeah. want anybody else knowing. But um, the, this patient came in, referred from the um, the local surgeons and had a problem with um, their colostomy. Right. Um, it's already gross. And, <laughs> carry on. And, um... Cl- uh, a, a me is where you get a um the colon the large yeah, bowel the bag and um and you need to take part of it out And because it doesn't have um a, enough length to reach down to the normal outflow um you put you put it onto the side of the um the abdomen right and you produce a new hole and you stick a bag on it because um there isn't any control over that it sort of fairly it's continuously gone. leaking uh, and
2: there's, where, there's some faces <laughs> in the studio here
1: <laughs> where where you get and obviously there's a surgical join between the uh, the bit of the bowel and the bit of the, the abdomen wall and that can sometimes break down that's called dehiscence and a, a few things will do this and this person had a, a, a colostomy that not only was dehiscing but was leaking Fairly nasty green pus from it, oh, yeah. and it turned out that they had contracted gonorrhoea of the uh, colostomy. Nice yeah, gonorrhoea of
2: the colostomy. Nice. Oh my oh, god what the... Wait,
3: Does yeah, that mean some of the
1: new any hole. holes are girls? Right? <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
2: any holes. Are Every goal, hole then. is not a
3: girl in that situation. <laughs>
1: Uh, However, I'm gonna to have to so, try it now. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was about the most gruesome thing that I've seen. Oh, that's vile. Wow. Well, well, uh, was or having was in to my fish eyes. out. Or having to fish. No, uh, it wasn't. This was really nasty and smelly. <laughs> having to fish out a tampon that had been stuck for a week.
3: Oh. Uh, uh,
1: Oh. Um, <laughs> my gills that, are going. That wasn't good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well,
2: Doc, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks so <laughs> really much is. for coming on the Killer Rabbit Podcast. We appreciate it so much, and everybody should it- go check out the Ex Moss Experiment as well. It's a wonderful podcast, and uh, Doc, you're a wonderful person. Thank you ever so much.
1: It has been a treat. It's been nice
2: talking to you and you Thanks, as well. Doc. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed those little ventures outside the usual programme. We'll be back next time with our Christmas special, and this year we're looking at the Doctor Who spin off K9 and Company. So until then, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye now. The Exton Moss experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rishton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at experiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.